Well, it's quite a passage we've just heard with quite a lot going on in it. We could talk about Jesus attributing the illness to Satan. We could talk about the conflict that's going on between Jesus and the religious authorities, particularly around the Sabbath. But today I want to focus on the Sabbath itself, think a bit about what that is. In recent years, we've witnessed a plethora of books on the, the Sabbath for Christians. Uh, the great Walter Brueggemann has one called Sabbath as Resistance, saying no to the culture of now. Marva Dawn, who for many years oversaw worship at the El Divinity School, has one called Keeping the Sabbath Holy, with a W, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Keeping the Sabbath Holy, Ceasing, Resting, Embracing, and Feasting. There are plenty of others, and most of the titles at some point have within them the notion of rest. Uh, but because God rested on the seventh day of creation. However, the Sabbath rest is not switching off. It's not playing Sudoku. It's not uh, watching rubbish television. It's not napping, although all of that could be restful. It's a rest that allows us through a sort of focusing to see more clearly the mighty works of God, to see what God is doing in our lives, uh, such as the story from Luke with the woman crippled for 18 years. Recall that the leader of the synagogue where this healing took place was indignant, was miffed, was bent out of shape, was out of sorts, and was going around to everybody saying to anyone who would listen, well, he should have healed on the other six days. You know, you don't need to heal on the Sabbath, for crying out loud. The rules are really important. The norms, and, and they've messed it up. Now, we know how important the rule of law is and how tenuous it can become in a society. And so I don't want to be antinomian or against the law. I'm not saying that the rules about the Sabbath are silly or irrelevant. But when the rules become the point, they get in the way. And so the interpretation of the leader of the synagogue will certainly go to a court of appeal. And then Jesus makes the appellate case. Look, there's an exception about work on the Sabbath that says you can take your ox and your donkey and make sure they're hydrated, for crying out loud. So surely healing, bringing someone out of bondage in this special time of God's creative life, surely that is the Sabbath work at its best. Now I'm not, I don't frequently create Sabbath time for myself. I consider part of what we do in worship a Sabbath to pausing, uh, to reconnect, to revision, to rethink, reimagine life by turning, as we do here every week, by turning toward what really matters and allowing it to shape who we are. But I'm actually going to, Sage and I are actually going to create some Sabbath time for ourselves. Uh, as many of you know, I've been navigating a whole host of traditions, uh, transitions in the past few weeks, and you, most of you know what this is like at some point in your lives. Moving our furniture to Wilmington, North Carolina, a flying visit to England to be with my mother at the end of her life, the sudden death of a 60-year-old cousin while we were there, and of course taking on board the reality, which I'm still basically in denial, that come the end of September I'm stepping down and retiring, and I'm going to try and deny it for as long as I can, but the reality is looming, um, and, and it's not so far away. When we finish services on the 25th, Sage and I are going to drive to Wilmington, do the laundry, and on the 26th, fly to England for services uh, for my mother uh, later in the week. The other day, I was whining to Sage about how I needed to be in three places at once. 
need to be in England going through my parents' house with my brothers. I need to be setting up the house with her in Wilmington. And, and most important, actually, at the moment, I need to be here with my people, <laughs> with you. Uh, but I was complaining that I couldn't be in three places once. And she said, well, you know, whining doesn't help. <laughs> doesn't fix anything. And I said, I said well, actually, actually, for me, whining does help. I, uh, I, it, it means, it means I, get, I, get to, I get to name all of the moving parts and kind of get my mind around them. And I'm sorry, darling, that you have to listen to it, which is really <laughs> the issue here. And so we're going, to, we're going to, after the services, we're going to take a few days by ourselves with the absolute intention of not having a lot of agenda, just doing what we want to do, listening, breathing together, and pausing before returning to Wilmington and seeing what life has in store that's next. Frank Wade, former rector here, for those who don't know him, gave me a great image for retirement, but I think it's also an image for Sabbath in a funny way. It's, it's a trapeze, you're a trapeze artist, and when you're a trapeze artist, you have to let go of that, that trapeze and spin in the air a few times before you catch the next one. Uh, because if you catch the next one before you've let go of the other one, you're going you're to look pretty stupid and you're probably going to fall. And, and Sabbath is a bit like that. It's, it's, uh, it's taking time and then, and then going back and re-engaging, perhaps in a way with, with eyes to see what God is up to and what we're, what we're about. So where is it, when is it in your life that you make room for Sabbath? As, and I'm talking beyond the regular Sabbath observance of worship. I think of engaging our core spiritual practice of worship as a core part of Sabbath. But if intentional Sabbath is not a regular practice for you, as it's not really for me, except on occasion, I encourage you to find ways to make it so in the midst of a fractious and broken world. Now, uncharacteristically, I find that I don't have a whole lot more to say on this today and can think of few better ways to lead us into our time of silent response to the gospel by recalling the reading from Isaiah. Thank you, Jan, for reading it so beautifully. If you remove the yoke from among you, stop pointing the finger and speaking evil, offer food to the hungry, satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your need in the parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fall, fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. And then he goes on, and all of this is if you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honourable, if you honour it not going your own ways, serving your interests or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord. You shall see the mighty works of God. You shall gain clarity. And I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let us respond to the gospel in silence and in prayer.